Let me make sure I have enough space to record. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I got really worried about my disk space the other day, so I checked, and I have like 650 gigs free still. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, 600 gigs. Oh, no. Oh, man. Modern problems. Oh, nuts. I remember my computer growing up had like a whole like one and a half gigs. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember being so fascinated with those floppy disks that had like, what do they even have on them? Like 256K? I remember there were, the that, big, yeah. there were the big ones that had like a few megabytes on them after a time. The big ones? Like zip mm-hmm. drives? Yeah, 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 yeah. The oh, like yeah, the zip drives big. were, yeah, the chunky ones. Yeah. Um, I had Doom on floppy disk, but it was six floppy disks. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I think that's how we got um, missed. Was on a big pile of floppy disks. I didn't get missed until CD era, Mm. uh, and that was pretty cool. Do you remember micro disks? Micro disks. What were those? They were CDs, but they figured out that they could put CDs in that smaller format. You know how the CD tray always had that smaller little groove in the center? Yes, I do remember these because that's uh. When you got new Toa in Bionicle, they had that little mini disc with all their cool videos and stuff on there. Oh, they totally did. I forgot about that. Holy shit. Uh, I was just going to say I had the first two episodes of Invader Zim on Microdisc, but it was a, <laughs> it was like a squared off Microdisc too. So it was like an oh, even weird. more micro Microdisc. They like, oh, they cut. sheared the edges off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I always thought that was like the shit. And then it was in um, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. Her her micro disc earrings saved the day. Spoilers never, for Xenon. I never watched Xenon, so oh, I have no, can I tell you no the, frame can of I, reference. Can I tell you the Shyamalan style twist to Xenon? Oh, please do. All right, so Xenon focuses around a girl in the twenty fourth century. Twenty fourth century? Twenty first century. Xenon girl of the twenty first century. Uh and Well the the movie I think takes place later than that, but the movie is called Twenty First Century. I don't know why they named it that. Uh, 21st century girl. Yeah. yeah, 21st century uh, disco now. Um, And no, it's a Kanye song. I'm sorry. Um, The plot focuses around Xenon, the the titular heroine, uh, coming across this plot by somebody who wants to, I guess, take i forget exactly but take down or or take over this space station that she and her parents live at and this uh evil ceo figure keeps all of his secret data on a micro disc and she steals the micro disc and goes to earth and then she spends time on earth while the ceo and his henchmen are looking for her and she figures out that the micro disc looks exactly like these earrings that she's been wearing for the entire fucking movie <laughs> And, and just then, now notices it. And then switches the disc for one of her earrings so that at the end, the CEO like gets her and gets the disc. And he's like, aha, finally. And she goes, aha, I tricked you. And like pulls out her earring and shoves it in a computer. And it shows everyone the evil plan. And that's all I remember from Xenon. <laughs> <laughs> There's a song. I don't remember this existence of this show. Is it just oh, spelled man. Xenon like the element? Like the element, yeah. I was real into Disney Channel original movies growing up, so basically anything that would play on that channel, I was super into. I remember Punks was my favorite. Oh, uh, I thought it was like a cartoon, but this is a Disney original. 
No, yeah, it's a Disney original movie. Uh, it's live action. Uh, Punks was my other favorite from a similar time frame. Punks was about a Goonies-esque group of children getting hold of a government prototype like super soldier uh armor basically and it was this hmm. it was this bane style like backpack with tubes that they would strap to themselves and they would like turn a giant knob to like wind it i guess and they would get super strength uh they would like hulk out basically and it was these huh, these okay. kids like running from the people who made it or whatever and i i just fucking ate that shit up as a kid I want to bring to your attention the tagline for Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Oh, please do. I'm looking at the VHS cover here. She's one galactic girl who saves the day in a stellar way. Yeah, that sounds right. There were three of this those This is a movies. disaster. There were three of those. Yes, I see. It has a sequel called Xenon the Zequel. Yep, and uh, I think, isn't there a third Z3. one? Z3. Z3, thank you. Uh, one of the prominent uh, co-stars of these movies is a young Raven Simone. Really? Yeah. It was, oh, it was before. Yeah, there she is on the cover. Far before that, so Raven. She was very young. Yeah. Which I guess that's so Raven got like a reboot recently. Have you heard about this? No. I'm not up to date on my Disney <laughs> shows. <laughs> uh, I like only vaguely are. am. So 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 Raven is obviously, you know, a fully grown adult. Uh, she has been for a while. And she started doing this sitcom that I do not remember the name of. Um, but it's essentially a continuation of the story from uh, That's So Raven of, okay, she's a girl with psychic powers. She's now a mother with psychic powers. And it's like a just a sitcom about how she lives her her funny life. Um, Ravens Disney Ravens Home. There it is. Ravens Home is an American family sitcom series developed by Jed Elinoff and Scott Thomas. Blah blah blah. Yeah, so it's a Disney Channel sitcom, and it's it's Raven, just straight up Raven from that. So Raven and her best friend from that series, whose name I don't remember. Uh, and their kids just, you know, having Disney adventures. Adventures. Uh, but she's still psychic. And I think just from the poster I can't here, imagine how nightmarish it would be growing up if your mom had psychic powers. Well, I think I think what the poster is trying to hint to me, because there, there are some sort of waves stemming from her son's eyeballs. Uh, I think it's supposed to be intimating that her son is also psychic, which oh. could be interesting, I guess, if there are just like two psychics in the house, that could be fun. Um, sure. Two psychics in the house sounds like a like a tagline psychics for a sitcom. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that is not what our show is about, Jimmy. Can we please do a clap so that I can sync our audio and we can start this goddamn <laughs> yes. show? Okay. Y'all move. It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! recap podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And this week, we are talking about episode 36, Attacks and Effective, the Invincible Toon Army, otherwise known as Yu-Gi-Oh! vs. Pegasus, Duel of the Millennium, part two. Yeah, the, the, the exciting 
part two. Yeah. Attacks ineffective? Attacks ineffective? The title literally has an interrobang, <laughs> and that makes me just inconsolably happy. It's so much better than just part two. Yeah. Attacks ineffective? <sighs> In my Yu-Gi-Oh? It's In more likely than you Yu-Gi-Oh? think. In my Yu-Gi-Oh? Jimmy, before we get started with this episode, I have a couple of things uh, that I want to cover before we get into our recommendations, if that's all right. Let's do it. Uh, first up, we have an email. Uh, an email. This email comes into us from uh, Thomas or at O4Mouse on Twitter. Thomas has written to us before. Uh, Thomas, Hi, Thomas says, based on some of the things you mentioned recently, I thought I'd give you some trivia. You ready for some trivia, Jimmy? Oh, I'd love some trivia. In season one, Yugi and Yami, uh, uh, the, the, the big Yugi, wear different shoes. Oh, they do. They do. You remember I brought That's this like up last week. the only part of them that changes. Well, so here's, so Besides Thomas continues. Uh, so uh, let's see. Yugi wears sneakers and Yami wears those pointed boots. Makes me think they're too She's cheer physically... captain and I'm in the bleachers. <laughs> Makes me think they're two physically different people that magically switch places instead of sharing one body. I, I always assumed that it was the same body. It just like grows a little bit and then shrinks back down. I assume Thera so too. Body. But so, so uh, Thomas includes a picture, which I'll, I'll share with you so we can put it on the Instagram. But it's a picture of both big and little Yugi. And, uh, well, A, the shoes are, are different. B, Yami's shoes 1,000% connect to his pants. Uh, he's on, wearing I'm like... i find the window where I put the email. He's wearing like half a onesie, basically. Uh, <laughs> the jacket changes because little Yugi has his like school jacket and mm-hmm. he, little Yugi is also wearing his backpack, whereas Yami, the backpack is gone. And I think it's kind of hard to tell from this uh, screenshot, but I think little Yugi is wearing a white T-shirt or a white, uh, you know, their school button up. And uh-huh. Yami is definitely wearing a black button up with his like leather, uh, his like leather daddy straps. Interesting. So... They're kind of the same clothes, but kind of not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... So where did Yami Yugi get his clothes? Does he just... Oh. Is that what ancient Egyptians wore? Oh. And he just, his clothes were also part of his soul this entire time? I mean, you know, honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, what if this whole idea of, of what we conceive of as being ancient Egyptian clothing is really just what's been handed down to us from like Victorian painters who thought that there was a certain way that they should look. And really they were wearing leather straps and, uh, and blue flowy jackets and had spiky hair, <laughs> you know, Obviously. it's like, it's like the pilgrims didn't really have those buckle hats. That's just what the Victorian painters thought looked nice. It's, this is the same thing. This is no different. Uh, Thomas also shares one more thing, which I really enjoyed here. Uh, they say, and the odds on time wizards dial change from one out of two to one out of three midway shoot through the show for no reason. What the fuck? Right. And so there are two screenshots here and I'm looking at them and like, yep, it like totally right. It looks like, uh, the let's see uh the one half the one out of two would match the real world card 
which is a coin flip in the real world card. It necessitates a coin flip. But yeah, there are two screenshots uh-huh. here. One is the version that we've seen where it's, you know, the the four skulls, but they're smaller. So it's a 50-50 chance. Mm-hmm. But then, and I can't tell from when in the show this is. I don't know when this switch takes place, but there are the six equal portions on the time wheel, four of which are skulls and two of which are the weird time travel thing. So do they do this for story purposes or is it, I mean, I assume it's just for story purposes to heighten the tension or whatever. Ooh. I think that's giving the show more credit than it deserves. If we're being honest, because the alternative is the animators just got lazy and forgot how many things there are on the little dial. It could be. I, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's not like the number changes. It's just the proportions change, if that makes mm. sense. the It's just the skulls go from being big to little, I think. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to like keep an eye out for that if Time Wizard comes up again or maybe go back and see the episodes where Time Wizard came up to see which episodes have the, the, the one-third chance or the one-half chance. Yeah, drop it in chat. I want to see yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Uh, let me see if I can do that. Um, boo-ba-da-boo. Sound effects of sending things. Sound effects of sending a message. I don't know if that worked at oh, all. Oh, weird. It just pops up in the video window. Oh, that's cool. And it's just a big wall of text. Um, Excuse me, what? I'm getting a gmail temporary error saying that my gmail account is unavailable (laughs) probably because i'm logged into it over here it doesn't it doesn't really matter i'll send these to you after we're we're done recording here but it's really interesting seeing that like yeah like you said they just like decide to change it halfway through the episode because because i mean at this point who really cares about accuracy (laughs) yeah i mean time wizard is basically a nah, who cares what happens card anyway so right. it's not too surprising right exactly exactly so uh thank you thomas uh if if you would like to follow more thomas's work it's o4 mouse uh on twitter it's o-h-f-o-u-r-m-o-u-s-e uh they're a super good uh an artist doing the lord's work with some actually like really fun furry stuff which i never i never thought that I would like look at furry art and be like, Oh, that's actually really fun. But there's a really good Lucario, uh, picture. Just, I, I don't know if it's pinned or whatever to their profile, but, uh, it makes me smile cause it's nice and fun. So go follow them. Um, all right. Uh, the other thing uh, I had to follow up on was I told you I would follow up on Yu-Gi-Oh speed duel stuff. Remember the speed yeah, duel decks came out? This. Yeah, so uh went to the game store. They do have them in stock. They are £8.95, and I didn't end up buying them. What does that mean in hard American dollars? Oh, in real money? Uh, that's in real that's money. about 10 bucks. Instead of queen heads. <laughs> Instead okay. of the queen's coin. Uh, yeah, it's about the 10 queen's bucks. queen's coinage. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I didn't end up buying them. Uh, because I I realized something, and I want to I want to run this by you just to see if I'm like making any sense or if I just got into my head too much about this. I didn't buy them because I realized this is no different from playing Dual Links on my phone for free. Hmm. 
because the decks that come with them are all characters that you unlock just in the course of play. And they come with cards that you can get through the course of play. I, I mean, maybe there are some, you know, rares or whatever, but you also get rares and, and, you know, uncommon cards in the course of normal play. And, you know, for somebody like me, like I, I we mentioned last week, like, oh, it'd be creepy if me, a grown man, came to the game store and was like, hello, child, will you play Yu-Gi-Oh with me? Tell me your thoughts on Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, at, that, at that point, you're basically grandpa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so I didn't get it because I'm like, you know, if I'm going to get back into this format of Yu-Gi-Oh, I'm just going to play Duel Links. Is that crazy? Is that bad? No, I mean, at, if the mechanics and the cards are the same in the free digital version as the same as they are in real life, uh, I guess the only... The, the main draw of real life cards would be, are you going to be playing this in like five years or whenever? And I'm probably because, not. And you're probably not. I mean, you can make the same argument with uh, video games, whether you get just the download or like a little cartridge or whatever. That's so true. So if you like lose your account... It's not going to delete all your games. You'll still have like little chips or whatever in 10 years. That's like, true. I can go home and I'll still have all the like GameCube games that I had back in 2006 or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're not going to vanish into thin air, which is, you know, going to happen on dual links. They're not going to keep the servers running for the rest of your life. No, that's true. That's a good point. Hmm. So yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and buy them. Maybe you've you've convinced me with that argument alone, but I, I honestly don't know if I'm going to be like playing it for years. So These Yu-Gi-Oh cards are so precious. Well, and that's like, that's the thing is, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh, the base game is, is similar to Magic the Gathering in that people, you know, really value the, the progression of the cards over time and seeing the art progress and things like that. I, I don't know if Speed Duels is going to have that same kind of longevity. Who knows? Our shrugging was really great audio there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On this um, audio medium. Anyway, so that is my that is my other sort of follow-up uh, for the week. Jimmy, every week before we talk about the episode, we well, like to talk about... Well, you also mentioned one thing uh, that you texted me about uh, regarding dual links. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that they did a... Um, basically a walkthrough or an introduction oh, to what it is. yes. Okay, this was the one thing that might convince me to play Speed Duel. Thank you for reminding me, because I completely forgot. Uh, the official Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTube channel released a video that's about, I want to say it's like 10 or 12 minutes long, and it's an introduction into playing Speed Duel, the, the Speed Duel format. And the entire video is narrated by Maximilian Pegasus. And I, I, don't know if, I don't know if it's the actual voice actor or just somebody who sounds very much like him, but it is Pegasus teaching you how to play the game that he made. That is just breathtaking attention to detail. Isn't that, that is, great? That is great fan service. And, and really I can't like... believe that they're like bringing back this character from this show that came out in like early 2000s to do uh, card game voices. Yeah. Like a decade later. That's yeah. really cool. So I thought that was really neat. And that was like the one thing where I saw that and I was like, okay, I got to go to the game store now and like see if they actually have this. 
Um, so if you're at all interested in, in trying out Speed Duel or just want to know like what it's about, uh, go look up the official YouTube channel for Yu-Gi-Oh! and, and watch that video because it's, it's just kind of nice to hear like Pegasus be the game designer Pegasus rather than the evil villain Pegasus, as we're going to get to in this episode. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if you were like trying to learn how to play the Pokemon card game and they got the actual voice actress for Ash telling you how to use Pokemon in battles? Oh, man. Yeah. Or if they got like Professor Oak to explain what a Pokemon is. It's a uh, a fusion of like the uh, or not a fusion, but like an intersection of the show and the card game that I think is that's really neat. Yeah. So that made me really happy, too. Um, did you did you watch the whole thing? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. But okay. If you want to drop me a link, I will be happy to. I'll I'll find it. I after always the show. need more Pegasus in my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll find it after the show, and I'll I'll try to include it in the show notes. I'll see if I can remember. Um, I'll just write a note for myself. How about that? Uh, so the other thing that we do, Jimmy, before we talk about the episode is we like to give our listeners a recommendation of what they can do with their 20 minutes other than watching this episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Because even if they don't value their time, we try to. What's your recommendation this week? Uh, I tried to think of something. Uh, I didn't really come up with anything, but uh, my recommendation this week, I guess, is to find your very favorite YouTube video and send it to someone who's never seen it before. Oh. Uh, Because if it made your life better by seeing it, it'll make someone else's life better by seeing it. I was just playing D&D last night, and I pulled up Deseering Egg for <laughs> my friends who had never seen it before. And I've never seen someone actually roll on the floor laughing before. But that's that was the result of showing my fairly drunk friends Deseering Egg! <laughs> All right, well, let's do this live. I'm sending you a video in the chat right now. Oh, let's see what happens. What What is this? Uh, this is a, a music video Big. called uh, Skibbity. What the? By Little Big. Uh, this is fantastic audio. Yeah, I don't know that I can get the audio into the video, but I'm going to try here. You could just like overlay it, though. Mm-hmm. Take some more editing on your part. <sighs> so much work. Man, the the facial uh, work that's happening here is is the the listeners are really missing out. This is actually very good editing for the music video here. I'm not going to watch the whole. It's really thing. good. You don't have to watch it. Uh, Little Big is like the Russian D ant word. They're like one of the one of the uh, uh, what's the word? One of the genres that shows up for them on Google is funeral pop. Yeah, it's I didn't really good. I know that was a thing. Uh, I did not. So I sent you. I sent you their music video for Skibidi. Uh I did not send you their music video for Big Dick, uh, which is jarring. I'm not going to click on that. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, yeah, find your favorite YouTube video and send it to someone who's never seen it before. I really like that. Yeah, just bring some joy into the world. Yeah. What yeah. is your recommendation this week? My recommendation this week is to play a game on hard mode. Oh. If you have a game that you play that has a difficulty setting, if it's a video game, start a new file. If it's a board game, break it out and play it on the hardest difficulty that it has and just go for it. Just try it. Uh, What's your reasoning here? So, so recently I... 
I got into this mood where I was like, man, I really want to play a game, but I don't really know what. And I kind of like, I don't know. I, I went back and forth between a few things. I played Pokemon again for a little bit. Uh, but I remembered that the DLC for Breath of the Wild had uh, the Trial of the Sword and Master Mode. And Master Mode, for those who might not be familiar, uh, Breath of the Wild is essentially the same game. You just start from the beginning, but they make everything more difficult. So there are more enemies out in the world. Those enemies are more difficult. Uh, your weapons break faster. You, uh, you take more damage, that sort of thing. Um, in in uh, normal Breath of the Wild, you can like heal slowly over time. Uh, I think a little bit. That's right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember but exactly. Felt so no, okay. I might, I might be misremembering that. But anyway, so you, you just kind of get less of everything. Um, and so I started playing that, and it immediately turned the game from this like action-adventure game into a puzzle game, where not only did I have to figure out, like, okay, I have to get from uh, you know wherever I'm at now to that shrine over there so that I can get the, the you know, Magnesis rune or whatever it is that I'm trying to get to next... But I also have to figure out how to get past the uh, the white Lionel with shock arrows uh, that is between me and it, and I have no armor, and the only weapon that I have is a stick. So it's turning Zelda into Dark Souls, essentially. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So I started. So I I played through Zelda uh, on on Master Mode. I haven't quite beaten it yet, but I'm pretty close to beating it on Master Mode. Uh, and I, I've, you know, poked at the trial of the sword, which is a similar thing. It's hard to explain. Trial of the sword is basically a mini master mode where it's a shrine where it starts you off with nothing. And it's like, okay, there's a bunch of enemies, beat them. And you have to like slowly pick your way through and like find a way to lure one enemy away and knock him out and get his weapon and then use that weapon to defeat the other ones to get a better weapon and like so on and so forth. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's really, really interesting, and it does it. It does some really unique level design as well that really lets you take advantage of the systems in Breath of the Wild. But so I've played those, and I'm like, okay, I want to try this idea and something new. So I just downloaded Dark Souls because there's the Dark Souls remaster uh, for for the Switch, and that has been kicking my ass. Um, as Dark Souls is known to do. As Dark Souls is known to do, but. I'm not running into that point where I, I'm frustrated with it, like I was worried that I that I would. I'm hitting that point where even though, yeah, there are things that are like keeping me from progressing, every time I play, I learn something a little bit different. Like I see, okay, ah, that's what's around that corner. Okay, so when I get to that corner again, I know how to prepare. Or, oh, that's what the skeleton does when I hit it. Okay, so that's the thing that I have to do there. And it turns it into this like loop of building up kind of a memorization of here are the steps that I need to take and then executing on that pattern that you've learned over time. So it just, it completely changes the mentality of the game when you play something that's like meant to be difficult. Uh huh. Uh, there was another thing that I haven't tried yet, but I saw, I saw pop up uh, like a week ago. I want to say, um, have you played around with the Nintendo online stuff on the switch? Uh, only a little bit of smash brothers. Okay, so the Nintendo Online app, and this is something where, like, if you don't have a Switch, I would recommend just looking up an emulator because there's really no other way to do this. The Nintendo Online app comes with a bunch of uh, Nintendo games, like early Nintendo Entertainment System games. And, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you should check it out if you haven't. 
um, one of the games is the original Metroid for the NES. Oh, that's an ass kicker. And it also comes with a mode, a special mode for Metroid, where it skips the entire game up until right before the final battle with Ridley. And it just gives you all the powers, all the missiles, all the everything, so you can just go and have that final boss fight. That's kind of cool. It's so interesting. And it's it's not really hard mode, but it's also not easy mode. It's just like, do the hardest part of this game. Which I think is a really interesting uh, way to do that. They do the same thing for uh, the original Legend of Zelda as well. Um, they might be doing it for some other games. Like I saw uh, is it Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts. Ghouls and Ghosts? Yeah. I think it's Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, so that's on there now as well. And I think they might be doing something similar for that. That's a that's an interesting thing to do. I wouldn't have thought to just give the boss battle yeah. at the end of the game and spin it off into its own thing. Because the thing is, like, you know, with some games, you turn on hard mode and it's like, like arbitrary. You know, they they make the difficulty like spike in weird ways. Like you'll be playing oh, along yeah. just fine. You're like, this isn't hard mode at all. And then, you know, the the grunt in halo like shoots you with a plasma rifle out of nowhere and you die in one hit like and it's it's not fair necessarily but finding the game games that have like really good systems in place that allow that difficulty to scale well i think is is a really interesting thing to to look for in a game um if you're not into video games the board game um forbidden island has a really cool difficulty mechanic where you can actually put the game into hard mode and it makes you it forces you as the players to work together in a very different way than if you're playing it on easier difficulties have we tried that we have yeah 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 Yeah, we we, i know we played forbidden island but i don't remember if we'd done the hard mode oh no 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 the hard mode you and i have not done no um it's difficult <laughs> it's doable hence the name it's doable is the thing but it's it's it is difficult there's a new version that came out too called forbidden sky i want to say and it oh i think i saw it it looks bad ass it is uh it takes place on a like a sky base like a mega man style sky base oh, where neat. you are uh navigating between these floating platforms on a floating literally floating base and as you're doing so you are connecting these giant power lines that are represented by physical objects on the game board and when you connect all of the power lines up to a rocket that's on the the board the rocket itself lights up and that's how you know that you can like make your escape from the sky base so it's like it's a board game where you're completing an actual electrical circuit which is just i I love shit like that because it has so much like fire hazard written all over it. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally the plot to one of the areas you go to in Metroid Prime 3. It's also the plot to an episode of Home Improvement. So I'm really glad that your mind went there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, you're talking about the sky base thing. Yeah. Okay. I was talking about having a board game with working lights. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that is also cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a very Metroid prime. So, um, that'd be another thing to look up if you're like more into board games, but want something with adjustable difficulty. Yeah. I'll have to give it a shot next time I'm at guardian games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be a great place to play it. Um, should we talk about this episode? 
Yeah, uh, one last thing. It's funny you yeah. should bring up playing something on hard mode, and specifically Legend of Zelda, because when I uh, made my infamous uh, viral post about my dude in my Legend dude. of Zelda, that was on uh, Ocarina of Time Master Mode. Oh, was it on Master Mode? I didn't realize that. Yeah, everything was flipped. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so just a interesting little note there. That's the, the birth of my dude. My dude. In master mode. I went back and watched some speedruns uh, from GDQ, from AGDQ this, this last month. And mm-hmm. in the, the replays, it sometimes cut back to the bidding war for naming Link my dude. And I would always be like, oh, hey, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I know that guy. Anyway, let's talk about the episode. All right, let's do it. It's time to discuss the episode. Jimmy, this week we are discussing episode 36 Yugi versus Pegasus, Duel of the Millennium, Part Two, better known as Attacks and Effective, the Invincible Attacks Tune Army. Attacks and Effective. <laughs> Attacks and Effective, though. My attacks are ineffective. My attacks are ineffective. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, this episode had a recap again, which I thought was nice. Yeah, it recapped the recap from the last episode. Well, didn't a the last bit. episode skip a recap? It, or did I it? I don't think so. I think it had a recap, just bring us up to speed. Oh, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Yugi got here. You're right. And then, and then uh, yeah, you're right. This recap was a recap of that recap. Uh, it, was, it was great, you know, getting Croquet's uh, sweet, sultry, dulcet tones. Uh, and, uh, you know, really just hearing his sort of um smoking habit progress that great voice that we all love to hear that we all in my earphones when listening to this episode i just i just want more of it in my ear mouths just cram it right in there Uh, i never want to hear that word again (laughs) (laughs) uh it did though on on the plus side this recap did allow us to hear pegasus say you activated my trap card uh, That's which, the best part of this episode. On ah, uh, uh, Chef's kiss, just ah, uh, it's perfect. I want that as a ringtone. Uh, I'm sure we can uh, do that. I yeah. Oh, rip like the first. Guarant- guaranteed, we can do that, my friend. Um, yeah, but that was about it, right? From this this recap, we all know what happened. They're dueling. Yeah, we yeah. It's Yugi versus Pegasus. We we know it. We got it. Uh, the episode opens on Joey saying something along the lines of like, I can't believe it's finally happening. Everything we've been working for c- uh, comes down to this match, Yugi versus Pegasus. And he's like real gung ho about this like final duel. Uh, yeah. And it's like, we've been watching this duel happen for like 20 minutes at this point. This is the second part of this duel. Yeah. He says it like he just got there. <laughs> <laughs> wow finally yugi versus pegasus yeah like they haven't been dueling for several turns now joey were you in the bathroom joey literally learned of the existence of magic during this duel <laughs> and then he goes wow this is happening they learned a lot of stuff during this duel and everyone's just like huh okay that's fun there's so much of that happening, like, even in this episode, too, where, like, revelations are had about the nature of the universe, and characters are just like, oh, okay. 
Yeah. Huh. This guy can read minds. Huh. We'll talk about that How later. About that? Magic's real? Uh, okay. We'll we'll bring that up later. It's sort of like um have you seen that that Jesse Eisenberg movie Now You See Me? Yes. Do you know the end of that movie? Yeah, the twist ending where magic is real. Oh, oh, oh Jesus. Fucking spoiler alert. Come on. Yeah, sorry to spoil Now You See Me, <laughs> the hit movie from like four years ago or okay. It's not a good movie. Uh, it's not a great it's movie. Not a, no. It's not. No. But it's on Netflix. So if you feel like killing a couple of hours with our old friends Woody Harrelson and Mark Ruffalo, uh, magic is real, it turns out. <laughs> and they're using actual magic in their like card tricks. It was like real magic behind the fake magic. Yeah, and and the only way that the cops could catch them was one of the cops also uses magic. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't learn that until the end, and then just at the end, they're like, "Oh, cool." Well, bye. All right. Thanks for watching our movie. Magic is real. Um, before we continue any yeah, farther, please. I did have um one thing to say about the recap. Uh, in the scene where. Uh, Tristan springs Mokuba from jail. Oh, yeah. So it uh, cuts to that, right? Yeah, it cuts back to that just in the flashback there. Mm-hmm. But the alarm sound that plays on the guard's computer sounded extremely familiar to me, and I thought about it a little bit. It's the exact same sound that plays in Metroid Prime no. at the end of the intro uh, when you escape from the ship that's exploding. No. It's the exact same sound effect. I looked, I looked it up, uh-huh. and I played it uh, next to each other and it's it's not even like pitched differently it's the same like stock alarm sound effect oh man you should you should see if there's a way to get a recording of just like split screen those those videos next to each other with that audio playing just for like our instagram or something just to have like that ridiculousness happening that's so if I can interesting find, uh this Yu-Gi-Oh episode somewhere i can probably find it but it's the exact same alarm sound really I knew that. I do know you, that sound. Do you think, because, okay, for listeners who may or may not be new to the show, uh, Jimmy and I went to school together. We were both film majors. Uh, we're not, I hope, the like pretentious kind of film majors who bring that up all the time, but it's just a fact of what we studied. Mm, do you, film majors. Do you, do you feel like that experience ruined us for stock sound effects? Because we've spent so much of our lives looking up stock sound effects for things that we just know all of them? Uh, a few stock sound effects, sure. Um, I have noticed a lot of the video co-pilot, like generic like blood sprays and stuff. Anytime I see those or explosions in like a commercial, they they use those in a commercial with um, friggin' what's his name from Star Trek? Uh, Bill Shatner, Captain Kirk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. William Shatner. Yeah, uh, he was in this commercial where like a car fell down and exploded, and it was the same explosion that you can get for like what is it, like 20 bucks or something uh-huh. on Video Copilot's t- tutorial website? And I've used that same explosion in my, like, shitty school projects. <laughs> and to see it on, like, this national commercial, it's just like, why? Lorna and I have been watching uh, RuPaul's Drag Race lately. And uh, one of RuPaul's songs, uh, Glamazon, opens with, uh, she's sh- saying, welcome to the jungle, while this, like, what? 
sound plays and it's the same sound effect as the opening of every video copilot tutorial video and i realized just now as i was thinking about it all of the bad lip reading videos oh shit really so, yes yeah, oh so, so i know exactly you know the that sound, sound. You're, yeah yeah i think it comes stock on uh, mac computers it I think it does because later on in the season, right after I mentioned that to Lauren and she's like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. I I heard this song playing and I realized, oh, this is a default uh, string music clip from uh, iMovie circa 2009 because this is the exact same track that I put in my first student film. <laughs> It's jarring. It uh, is. Another one I I might have talked about this on the show before, but in uh, The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, good. Not um, The Revenant with, uh, with uh, I can't even think of a joke actor that would be funny to say. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. In The Revenant. Uh, in The Revenant, there's a shot that's going through this like frontier village, and there's these pigs like milling around in the background, uh-huh. and the, there's like a pig grunting noise. And the pig grunting noise was the exact same noise that you get when you click on a pig in Warcraft 2. No! It completely ripped me out of the movie experience. <laughs> it was like, do you know how many people played that game? I mean, I'm sure the production, the, the editors had no idea what other things it's been in, but... Somebody knew, I'm sure. If you're working on a, a, a project of that scale please just go record your own sound effects and don't use stock sound effects. Cause it's like hearing know. the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. The Wilhelm scream. I mean, the Wilhelm scream is a meme and I can see why they do it, mm-hmm. but um, it's that same sort of thing where it pulls you out of the experience and you're like, Oh yeah, this is just a thing people made. <laughs> if anyone wants like an accurate sort of feeling of what it was like to be a film student in like Oh nine to to 12 ish uh just go and look up like wilhelm scream supercut and then write a paper about it (laughs) (laughs) basically uh man okay we are severely off we are so off topic and so behind i i really apologize uh okay so um bakura it cuts back to the duel and bakura is like his his spidey sense is tingling and he uh sort of evilly cackles to himself and says let's uh, what, how does he? What was my voice for Bakura last episode? Well, it was bad real dumb. Bakura's voice is like Croquet's voice with uh-huh. a slight British accent. Like you, tr- oh. like you're, tr- like you're trying to get all the way down here, but you also do a little bit of a British accent, eh? Okay, you need or to do you need to do Bad Kura's voice from now on. Oh, it hurts you, so bad. You I really need to do it. <laughs> I think my voice for him from last time was we hear me along these lines. Ew, I'm Bad Kura. Hmm. Uh, and he, uh, he sort of looks at Croquet and goes, let's listen in on Croquet's calls. <laughs> um, and- yeah, and his Millennium Item glows, and then he's just magically able to listen to what uh, he's talking about from across the room. And I guess that's Bakura's Millennium Power is just wiretapping. <laughs> yeah, what superpower would you pick? Uh, flight, invisibility, mind reading? No, just the ability to hear phone calls from kind of far away. 
Um, so he hears the phone call and it's it's Croquet talking to the security guards that we heard last episode. And he's talking about how Mokuba can't escape and they're trying to corner uh, Tristan and all these things. It's pretty impressive that um, uh, Croquet, I keep forgetting his name, <laughs> Croquet like sums up all of what they're trying to accomplish in like one sentence while talking to these guards so Bakura can find out about it. Oh yeah, like, huh? No, you mustn't let Mokuba's body escape. That it's key to our plot to take over Kaiba Corp. Yeah, he does kind of, huh? I guess it's like because Pegasus does a lot of monologuing, but not about his evil plot. So they needed Someone's somebody gotta to pick up the slack on the exposition. Exactly, exactly. Unfortunately, it had to be Croquet. <laughs> um. So Bakura like starts to go off and uh, uh, you know walk out the the door towards where Tristan went, and there's a brief interaction with Joey and Taya where they're like, "Where are you going?" Uh, does somebody say the bathroom? Does is that somebody's guess? I that happened last episode. I vaguely remember Joey. I must have just been like, I watched this on my lunch break today, so I, I was not fully paying attention. Uh, I vaguely remember Joey making the joke of like, "Wait, you're going to the bathroom or something?" Um, that was last episode, I think, about uh, Tristan. When they were huh? wondering where Tristan is. No, yeah. oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, and Bakura explains he's going to go off to try to find Tristan, and they just let They're him. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. Bye. Okay. Um, and so then he wanders off, and then we cut to the actual duel. The thing this show's about. <laughs> the thing the show's about. Finally, fifty and minutes into my recording here. <laughs> mind reading. Uh huh. Yep. It's Pegasus doing his Pegasus thing. Yeah, he predicts that Yugi will play Spellbinding Circle face down, and then summon Skull in defense mode. And then we cut to Yugi. And in his inner monologue, he's thinking, I'll play Spellbinding Circle face down and then play Summon's Skull in defense mode. And he does so. <laughs> so much of this episode is just like Pegasus predicting that Yugi will do something and then Yugi being like, oh, I got to play this exactly right. And then he does just exactly what Pegasus said he would do. And so then Pegasus is like, I knew that you were going to do exactly that. And then uh, Yugi does the surprise Pikachu face. <laughs> He does. He does. It's he forgets true. every turn that Pegasus is literally reading his mind right now. And he's like, what? He knew. It's like 51st dates, but it's 51st times that I realized that you were reading my mind. 51st duels. <laughs> uh, Pegasus has a great line at first, though, where he goes, the eye never lies, nor does it fail in the sighting of your vulnerabilities of your pathetic moves. Just raking Yugi over the coals. He is loving it. Uh, Pegasus, uh, on his turn, switches uh, Ryuran uh, into attack mode, uh, which activates the trap card Spellbinding Circle, which stops Ryuran's attack and ensnares it. Pegasus does this sort of like, Oh, oh no, whatever shall I do? My, my best card is ensnared. And just like... I don't know, hams up being disappointed. You had a note about Ryuran, but I cannot stop reading. <laughs> <laughs> Ryuran, um, like, hatches during this scene. Uh-huh. Uh, eventually. Uh, I don't know if it's this scene or later on in the episode, but the egg just kind of hatches, and there's a dragon inside. 
And so the dragon comes out, but it's still wearing like the eggshell as like a diaper. And then it's got like a little tiny eggshell on its head. And it looks like it's wearing just like a Togepi themed diaper because this eggshell looks exactly like the Pokemon Togepi. Isn't there a Pokemon called Tyrant? Uh, am I thinking of the Probably. right thing? That is essentially this. No, Tyrant looks more like an actual dinosaur than this does. Never mind. Um, yeah, it, it looks like a Togepi. You're 100% right. It's got this weird eggshell diaper. Yeah, I mean, it's a very baby dragon. That's not baby dragon. It's its own do, do, version do, of do, a baby do, dragon. Do, do, do. <laughs> uh, Bakura. Baby dragon. Nope. nope. <laughs> Switch back to Bakura. Bakura runs into the dungeon uh, and uses his Millennium Ring to point the way to Mokuba. Yeah, it's just, at this point, the Millennium Ring is just a compass for random magical shit. Like, it doesn't have to be other Millennium items. It's just pointing to where Bakura is, or Mokuba is. <laughs> Why do we get those names mixed up so much? What is it about those two names? They both have Ks in the middle, I guess. I mean, like a KU thing happening, yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically it's basically magical TomTom. Yeah, it's uh, like, turn left at the next intersection of this labyrinth oh man if the millennium ring had a voiceover i think that would really improve the quality of this episode (laughs) um so yeah so we follow bakura running through the dungeon and we see like the millennium ring glow and point the way towards bakura jesus i just did it uh towards (laughs) mokuba uh and uh then we cut immediately back to the duel in which uh yugi i don't even know why they cut away to uh bakura when he's just wandering around literally no idea somebody somebody drew that scene happening you know steve and the art department really just wanted to try his hand at the millennium ring he was like look i'm getting really good at it i've been copying uh hector's notes here uh i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do some i'm just gonna do a quick five seconds for you uh and they were like well all right steve let's let's toss that in there i guess uh it (laughs) adds we're proud of you it adds literally nothing to the, the episode um it cuts immediately back to the duel right yep yeah uh yugi has uh summon skull uh attack the ensnared ryuran uh but pegasus plays a card that yugi has never seen or heard of before it's uh pegasus calls it a trap for traps and it's called trap displacement and what it does is it takes Oh, Lauren said trap for traps. Are you trying are you making a are you making a trap joke? What do you want to tell it? Okay. She's immediately regretted her decision to try and make a trap joke. Just do with that what you will. Uh, I wasn't gonna mention it. <laughs> so it's a trap for traps, which I hear now. <laughs> I hear it. <laughs> uh and uh it's called trap displacement which is not better uh, now that we're on this mental line. Uh, and it moves the spellbinding circle from Ryuran to Summon Skull. So now Summon Skull's attack is uh, negated. Summon Skull's attack power goes down, and Summon Skull cannot move. Jimmy, the fuck is this card? <laughs> did he play... Uh, was this a trap card? Was this a legitimate trap card that he played earlier and I forgot about? Or did he just straight up play an instant? Is he blue decking this? 
from what I could tell from the animation, he had it in his hand and right. then just played it. So I don't know. Did he just dark sage us? I think I think he did. I think he's using that blue mana. <laughs> did he just tap two islands to to play? Uh, to play? Uh, is he is he gonna start milling now, or yeah, is this just a control Yugi, deck? Unless Yugi pays three, he's gonna have to keep that uh, spellbinding circle on his side of the field. Yugi shouldn't have used all the mana on uh, summon skull. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that card makes no fucking sense to me. I don't know where that came from. I don't think it was something he had on the board. Neither does Yugi, because he's like, what? How? I've never seen this card. How can the person who designed this entire game have a card I've never seen before? We come back to this later. It's so good. So, uh, Ryoran, uh then attacks and destroys Summon Skull, because Ryoran is now freed. Joey, we cut up to the peanut gallery. Joey says, that mind-reading cheat. What the heck's the use in going on? Which is a line that I had to replay no less than four times before I understood the individual words that were happening. (laughs) I think I wrote a note about this too, but Joey has accepted the existence of actual mind-reading very easily. Yeah, he's... it's. Somewhere in his heart of hearts, he always knew that this would just be a thing that he would have to encounter, right? Yeah, he, he just, he's completely fine with it. I don't know if he, it's just because he's too dumb to understand the implications of this, or just like, mind reading, you bastard! <laughs> it's like... How um, dare you use that in a card game? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know the, the movie The Last Starfighter? which I'm pretty sure yeah. stars Freddie Prince Jr. now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, it's been a long it's time been a since bit. I've seen Last Starfighter. But there's that scene in The Last Starfighter where it's this kid playing the arcade game and then an actual spaceship lands and the alien like falls out of it and tells him that he is the chosen one and he's going to fly the, the Last Starfighter. And he's like, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. That's, that's essentially what's happening to Joey and mind reading here. <laughs> uh... Joey, oh, I thought he was going to say something else. Oh, no, he does say something else. Uh, Taya says that they can't give up, right? That they have to keep trusting that Yugi will find a way through this because he always does because he's Yugi and he's the main character of the show and uh, nothing I say matters anymore. Uh, And Joey says, you're right, Taya. (laughs) Which is the first time that anyone has said those words in this show and it just... Just brought a tear and to my eye. She is right. She is right. Yugi's you know, going to win this one because Yugi is going to win because he believes in the heart of the cards and fighting for his grandpa. And he's Joey's like, oh yeah, I forgot. And and the you know the name of the goddamn show isn't Pegasus O. <laughs> That'd be a much more interesting show, I think. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, and then we cut back to the dungeons, right? Do you want to pick it up from there? Yeah, back in the dungeons, uh, Tristan is carrying uh, the soulless corpse. Well, not really a corpse. His still life-filled body. Uh, he's carrying Mokuba, who's just brain dead now. I It just now set in that it's not... Like, that there is life in this body, but no soul. And I am trying to work out, like, the mechanics of that. Like, it's got its autonom- uh, uh, autonomic reflexes and everything still. Kind of creepy, huh? Pretty damn So he's carrying this, like, limp body of this child around, being chased and cornered by guards, who I want to point out 
all the guard voices are just kind of like I think it's still just Croquet's voice actor doing different gravelly voices. I think so. (laughs) Because they all have very gravelly voices, just in slightly different pitches. And there's nothing to differentiate them. It reminded me very specifically of a moment in uh, a video game. Lots of video game references this episode. I apologize. Uh, Do you remember first playing Arkham Asylum? Or no, no, uh, pardon, uh, pardon me, not Arkham Asylum. Arkham... Uh, or is it Arkham Asylum? No, it is Arkham Asylum. Uh, where it's the it's the thugs in Arkham Asylum, right? First one, then the other. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, when you're fighting the thugs and you hear them talking like just to each other, uh, as you're like sneaking up on them, right? And it's it's that moment when you realize that they all have the same voice. And that voice is Jake the dog from Adventure Time. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> is that the thug's voice? Yeah. I don't remember this. And, and Bender. Oh, it's John DiMaggio. Yeah. Go I back. Didn't know that. I'll have to play that game again just to. For anyone who has not played any of the, the Arkham thugs. games, go back and play them. And I dare you not to think of Jake the dog from now on. Because once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And that's exactly what happened to these guards here, where it's like, oh, yeah, fuck, yep, these are all just the same dude, huh? Well, now I'm picturing Bane uh, snapping Batman's spine over his knee and just being like, as usual, this problem can be solved with bending. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren just pointed out it's like Tolfdeer in Skyrim, too, which is like, once you hear that old Winnie the Pooh-ass voice, you can't unhear it. And then every old man you come across that has that voice, you're like, wait a second. Don't I know you? Uh, I vaguely remember that one of the dragons in Skyrim, like the biggest dragon, Parthenax. Mm-hmm. Parthenax, yeah. Par- I, Parthenax, I the, the head of the order of the Greybeards, uh, who who first call you as Dovahkiin, the dragonborn. God, I'm a nerd. Um, is played by Charles Martinet. Is that where you're going with that? The yes. voice of Mario. <laughs> <laughs> It's a me, a dragon. Uh, did you did you know that? Sorry, speaking of Charles Martinet, did you know that Super Smash Bros. is Charles Martinet's hundredth credit as Mario? That's a lot of work in his Mario. That's a lot of work in his Mario. Mamma mia! Hey, if you if you're good at being Mario, get paid. <laughs> Damn straight. Good, good, good for him. Yeah. Where the fuck were we in this episode? That was a big uh, tangent. We were at Tristan carrying Mokuba around, and Bakura shows up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bakura shows up in a really his... cool way, too. Yeah, he just kind of lurking there in the shadows, and then the guards are like, hey, step out of those shadows. <laughs> and <laughs> Which is a literal line that they use. <laughs> yeah, come on out of those shadows. And, uh, and the exact line is, now step out of those shadows right now. Uh, and there's another line that I really loved, where it's uh, the guard talking to Bakura and he goes, you just walked into a world of trouble kid. And then Tristan is trying to be like, no Bakura go away. And so he says to the guard, come and get it punk. (laughs) Well, he's like carrying this dead child on his back. Uh, And um, it's notable. We should point out that both of these guards here in this scene have their finger guns. guns. There's a, a, a close up shot and it's very obvious that they did kind of a shoddy job. Uh, getting the the guns out of their hands mm-hmm. for for kids because i can see where like they masked it out there's like little bits 
on like outside the borders of their fingers. Yeah, it almost looked to me like he was holding a cell phone in one hand. Like a, yeah. like holding a flip phone almost, but then also making a finger gun for some reason. They're just making finger guns. It's like at the air. It's the dumbest shit. Like they could have just put in like well, like they did with Barrel Dragon, right? Just make it a laser gun. Just make it a taser. Or something. They're Pegasus's guards. Of course, they have laser guns, right? Like set to yeah. stun or what have you. Change the sound effect to that same stock sound effect you use for everything, and you're good. Yeah. So Bakura is lurking in the shadows, and he steps out of the shadows. And he's got these this evil grin on his face. And he holds up a card, Chain Energy. Mm-hmm. And it goes, Kapew! And the uh, the card works in real life on these guards. And the guards are constricted by these, like, magical energy beams. Or, like, energy... I don't even know what it is. They're, well, it's ropes. Chain Energy, Jimmy, is what yeah. it is. It's on the name of the fucking Magic card. Magic Chains. Uh, made of energy. Yeah, so th- at this point... We're just like throwing everything out the window. Dual monsters is real. Magic is real. Playing cards have magical effects in real life. Like it's just like my mom warned me about at youth group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Don't get me started. Uh, and Tristan's reaction to this is, "Hey, what was that all about? Huh? huh. Okay, I guess we'll talk about this later." Joey and Tristan in this episode are just. Dumb as bricks. Just the fucking worst. And and so B- and Bakura is just like you. Know, I will explain it to you later. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So they run away into the tunnels together, and it cuts back to the duel. Yeah. Uh, it cuts back to a duel with a line from Yugi where he's like, "I have to find a way to keep this Millennium Eye from reading my thoughts." To which. So he says that internally, and immediately Pegasus out loud says, Fat chance! Which... Yeah, this is like the first time I think Pegasus has actually responded verbally to something Yugi is thinking. It... And he does it for the rest of this episode. Yeah, he keeps doing it. And it must be really bizarre for the people in the peanut gallery who are watching it. It's like, what... It's it's like listening to one half of a phone call. Yeah, like Pegasus is just standing there talking to himself. It's like, have you ever had that experience? I feel like this happens in Portland more than most places. But you're on like the bus or the Max or something, and somebody gets on and they're having a really intense phone conversation, and it's always something business related. But they're like, "No, Tommy, I told you to get the pallets in by Wednesday, and it is Thursday now, and the pallets are not in, and we have to talk to 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 Billy, who's going to paint the thing red, and and uh, and then you like." They, they're quiet for a while and then they go no that is not what i said and just like that that back and forth and it's you and i have heard very different conversations on portland public transit because when i was uh taking public transit every day the most interesting call i heard was someone talking about what kind of bear would be best to uh ride into battle damn you had a much better public transit experience <laughs> than i did i wanted to hear the other side <laughs> of that conversation <laughs> But you're exactly right. It is it is that feel, and I'm really sad that the it never cuts back to the peanut gallery where Joey's like, who is he talking to? <laughs> yeah, what's he talking about? Uh, because he's answering questions that Yugi only poses internally. Yeah. 
I, I have to wonder. Um, he's responding to all this stuff that Yugi is saying to himself in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was Yugi, Yugi, I would just start screaming nonsense in my head until Pegasus got annoyed. There are like, so many. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, like you were saying just now, uh, there are so many things that he could be doing to like get pe- get Pegasus out of his head. And yeah. he's just inner monologuing to himself in coherent uh, sentences. I already get super annoying songs stuck in my head for no reason. Like if I were in a position like Yugi finds himself in, I would just be playing the annoying song on loop because... Uh, I can't help myself anyway, so I'm just gonna crank it up to 11, I guess. Right? Like we're gonna song that doesn't end. Yeah, I was about to say the song that never ends. Let's get into it. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing it, it, not knowing what it was, and they'll just keep on singing it forever, just because. because. This is gonna be the podcast that never ends if we keep this up. (laughs) Uh, All right. So Back to the duel. Uh, the duel. Continues the fuck happens here, Jimmy? Help me. Help me. Uh, even without his Millennium Magic, you're no match for me. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Pegasus is showboating a little bit. And he says, uh, even without my Millennium Magic, you're no match for me. Uh, and then I added in, I'm embellishing a little bit here, because I have cards that I invented and never allowed them to be released to the public, but I can still play them because I invented this dumb game, Yugi boy. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but Pegasus is playing cards that have never been released to the public, so Yugi has no defenses against them. Because they don't exist, because they weren't made, because they would have had to have been made by Pegasus, who's not going to make them. Exactly. And this so he is... brings out uh, the card we've seen before, yeah. Toon World. Toon um, World. And then he just brags about how great it is for a while. Yeah. He starts off by saying, oh, I'm going to play a card you might remember very well, Yugi. And I swear to God, for a moment, I thought he was going to start playing like all the parts of Exodia. Oh, shit. Wouldn't that be a good episode where it would be like, it would be like, it would be adding a timer to... Uh, this whole duel where he would just be slowly getting all the bits of Exodia one by one and at the end Yugi would know unless he can think of something he's just going to get obliterated but no it's Toon World no it it is Toon World I'm gonna I'm gonna up the ante a little bit I see your Exodia I'm gonna raise you a Toon Exodia Oh my god, are we going to eventually see Toon Exodia? I hope so, right? But like that's that's what I would want this to to be is like he plays Toon World and then he plays a card face down. And then Yugi's like attacking, you know, ineffectually or whatever. Then he plays another card face down. And another card face down. And another card face down. And then a fifth card face down. And then he reveals all of them. And the the parts of Exodia all get sucked into the Toon World book. Uh, Toon World's a book, by the way. Did we mention that? Toon World. I don't is know a, if we mentioned it last time it came out. It's but, essentially a giant yeah. pop-up book that Pegasus's monsters get like sucked into and become cartoon versions of themselves. It's fine. I'm wondering what uh, a cartoon Exodia would look like, and I'm picturing just like a like a big fat weightlifter guy from like early cartoons. <laughs> But with, like, Exodia's head. Dude, Exodia is just Johnny Bravo. 
so uh, as the cards get sucked into Toon World, they become Toon versions of themselves. Uh, so, for example, the the card that Pegasus has out right now is Ryuran. Ryuran becomes manga Ryuran uh, and is sort of like a cartoony uh, anime. I mean, like, uh, not anime. This is an anime. Like a chibi version of itself. Uh, yeah. Pegasus then has it use uh, its, its... What's the, uh, the name of the other card Pegasus has out? The mermaid girl? He just says Toon Mermaid from now on, but I think it's Red Archery Girl is what we determined. Yeah, Red Archery Girl. Um, that has nothing to do with mermaids. But no, but now it becomes I Toon it was Mermaid. funny. Yeah, it's mermaid, like Toon Mermaid or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's funny to me that she becomes a Toon, but because she is already an anime girl, she just turns into an anime girl. The thing that they do with that is actually really funny. It's not so much that the mermaid becomes more tune. It's that clamshell that she's hiding in becomes a tune. So it becomes its yeah. own like separate character, which I think is really cute. The clamshell gets googly eyes. It does. It does. Which, I mean, if there's any way to improve a clamshell, going to be googly eyes. Uh, Ryuran uses nasty nostril flame attack, which I just had to write down because that is a, that is just a choice a choice attack name. That's that's up there with uh, noxious nostril, nostril dust. Nostril gust. Uh, and uh, that defeats Yugi's. Is it Soldier of Stone? Is that the name of the card? It's um, it's the one that stabbed the moon. Is all I remember. It's that guy who Yugi had out in defense mode. I can't remember. It's something like Soldier of Stone. It doesn't matter. It dies. Uh, and uh, Yugi on his turn decides that it's his only option to go on the attack to try and find a weakness here. Because, In Toon World, yeah. Because he knows that so long as the uh, the monsters on Pegasus' side of the field are sort of sucked into the Toon World book, they are untouchable. But if they attack, then they're outside of the book for a turn, and he has sort of an opening there. I can't remember. Does Toon World, the book, have, like, defense points? Or is it just <sighs> a thing that appears on the field and you can't really do anything about it? I th- I honestly think it depends on the plot. <laughs> uh, because we've seen it now. This is the second time we've seen it in the show, right? Yeah. Um, but we also saw it in the movie. And I believe in the movie it had defense points. If I'm not that mistaken, was a long time ago, I don't remember. And you know, it's it's Pegasus. It could have defense points or not, depending on what what he says. You know, who who's really keeping track? Uh, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Pegasus could just like pull out a notepad and scribble a card up on the spot, and it'll be tournament legal. He's <laughs> Pegasus. He's got like a stack of blanks. He just draws a sharpie on them, like those uh, <laughs> like those cards at the end of the Cards Against Humanity box. Uh-huh. Uh huh. He just go. This is my new card. I'm creating just for this duel, Yugi. It's called a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Allows me to shoot you at your life points directly. You die. <laughs> I oh, win. I've never heard of this card. Well, he made the game, so if he's playing it, it must be real. <laughs> it's just a sticky note that says "gun." <laughs> uh. Yugi... Attack points, infinite. <laughs> <laughs> Yugi decides that uh, he can't keep going on the defense because the Toon monsters are just going to keep cruising through his uh, defense mode monsters. So 
uh, he plays Celtic Guardian in attack mode and attacks the Toon Mermaid, uh, which has equal attack points to it. And he figures that even though they have equal attack points, Celtic Guardian will die, but so will Toon Mermaid, right? Yeah, and at least Pegasus will have one fewer monster. Yeah, so Celtic Guardian does a does a leaping uh, Link the Hero of Time attack with its sword and swings down with a sword, and it looks like it's going to be successful, but because it's a fucking cartoon now, I guess, the clam grows arms and hands and catches the sword ninja style like it's fucking like zetoichi the blind swordsman right like catching it in in its palms yeah like right before it gets hit in the face yeah and i can't tell if that's like just because it has cartoon logic now where it can just do all kinds of crazy shit like that or if it it has like it's attack or I mean, I don't think points were boosted. I don't think that's a thing that clams can do, Jimmy. <laughs> no, I don't think that's a property of clams. <laughs> I was trying to analyze this in like the context of the game, but I uh, think it's a lost cause. Yeah, that was that was your downfall. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, they they hold there for a second. It's Toon World, Yugi. The rules are: I do what I want. I mean, basically, and that's essentially what Pegasus says next because uh, the clam has the the sword in its grip and Pegasus goes, if there's one thing I love besides winning, that is, it's a fish fry. (laughs) And the the clam like twists the sword and then I, I forget exactly how it does it, but it like disintegrates Celtic Guardian. Yeah, it like shoots him or something. Uh, and that's the end of, Pe- of uh, Yugi's turn. Pegasus lays two cards face down. Uh, Yugi plays a monster in defense mode. My notes here got real boring. <laughs> yeah, this is just, uh, oh, I'm looking at the actual walkthrough of this episode. Uh-huh. And uh, Celtic Guardian is destroyed because tuned monsters cannot be destroyed by battle with non-tuned monsters. Oh, they're just invincible to everything besides other tunes. See, and they don't really explain that. Yeah, in a way that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. Like our listeners know that we're not like a huge fan of like the dual heavy parts of the episode, right? Like we're in the dual heavy part of the episode, so I'm just gonna breeze through some of this. Uh, Yugi plays a monster in defense mode. Pegasus reveals that one of his face down cards is called Gorgon's Eye, which uh, is basically just a uh, beholder from D anD D. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. It's just an eyeball dark. with other yeah. eyeballs coming off of it. And what it does is it turns defense mode monsters into stone. And Pegasus reveals an added bonus that when those stone defense monsters are destroyed. Uh, half of their attack value is taken away from the owner's uh, life points. So typically when you defeat a monster defense mode, you don't take any damage. In this case, you do. Uh, Pegasus has another great line here where he says, Sorry, but there is a bright side to having a set of fossilized monsters, Yugi boy. They make fine paperweights. And then he cackles. <laughs> uh, just He does a lot of cackling this episode. So many cackles. I feel like the uh, voice actor for 
uh, Pegasus. Just had a, a blast doing these episodes. I should really hope so. Like, I really hope it you enjoyed this job. It sounds real fun. Uh, Pegasus reveals that his second face down card is called Doppelganger. Oh, yeah. This guy comes out. It's like a like a Cheshire Cat kind of character. Like, it's, it's vaguely feline. But the the figure stretches like its torso stretches wraps twice around pegasus and like confers with pegasus by like whispering into his ear yeah it's uh pegasus like is monologuing to yugi and he says he's like explaining what uh doppelganger does and it just imitates uh, a card of my choosing oh sorry a card of its choosing and then he like talks to the doppelganger hologram that's like wrapped around him which is just like a that's not a thing that we've established that the holograms can do right yeah b what <laughs> this uh implies that the hologram emitters uh can extend outside of the field they're on mm-hmm. which basically turns this whole thing into a holodeck episode oh absolutely absolutely yeah like i'm I'm nearing that point where I have to start questioning whether what we're seeing in the episode is real shadow realm or hologram. Yeah. We've got real magic creatures. Uh Uh-huh. We've got hologram creatures that basically have their own personalities and there's no way to like tell which is which. And we have the newer hologram creatures that Kaiba created where you can feel and smell them. So they're virtually I forgot about this smell. Yeah. They're virtually indistinguishable from real things. We're rushing in headlong into um territory where you can see a creature and you can't tell if it's magic or just a really good illusion because there's functionally no difference between them right so if yugi wins and gets his grandpa's soul back is that grandpa or is that a hologram of grandpa or is that a shadow realm copy of grandpa yeah is this just uh the hologram doctor from voyager which i just started watching oh so good now wandering around the ship is this the real life or is this just, just fantasy? fantasy. Uh, so, uh, so Doppelganger comes out, and Doppelganger decides that it's going to copy Summoned Skull. Now, Pegasus prefaced Doppelganger with saying that it can copy any monster on the field, right? And it chooses mm-hmm. Summoned Skull, and Yugi goes, wait a second, Summoned Skull is in my graveyard. And Pegasus goes, well, your graveyard is on the field. So, is that how it works? Pegasus said that's how it works, so it is now. I guess so. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's technically how it works, no, but we're playing by fucking Pegasus rules now, I guess. So Both Pegasus and Toon rules, so it's just a bunch of I can do what I want buttons. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you can hear Pepper drinking his water right now on my mic, but that was very loud. I can't hear. He makes the loudest slurping sound and it just goes on and on. And it's unbelievable that such a small dog can make that much noise. Uh, So, uh, okay. So anyway, so the doppelganger becomes summon skull. Summon skull gets sucked into tune world and becomes tune skull. And it pops out of the book and it's just doing wacky tune stuff. Do you want to describe what this thing looks like? 
It looks like a cracked out Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> kind of. It, yeah, it looks like, you know the show Gargoyles? Yes. It looks like an even more cartoony gargoyle that's like mixed with Roger Rabbit style cartoon characters. Yeah, it's like, it's like if Guar got their own animated TV show. Are you familiar with yeah. Guar at all? No. Guar is a metal band that only performs in full costume. Uh, and the full costume is like, how to describe it? Uh, it's if you took what was painted on the side of a van in the eighties and made it clothing, it would be that like they're giant, like horned helmets, you know, massive like skulls, uh, big spiky shoulder pauldrons, and then just like a giant fake dragon penis. Whoa, that last part came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And they make good music, uh, I think. So, uh, anyway, Toon Summon Skull like pops out of Toon World and just blows raspberries at Yugi for like 10 seconds straight. And they keep lingering long, on this shot. Too long. He flexes. I, yeah, I literally I said out loud while watching the episode weird flex but okay and I felt <laughs> shame. Uh Yeah. Everyone So Toon Skull attacks the stone imp and it dies. Oh, that's right. That's right. So the 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 horned imp has been turned to stone. It dies. Half of its defense power is taken away from Yugi's life points. I want to point out too that Yugi is like super super offended that uh Someone's skull has been turned into a cartoon version of it. You would think that someone is like peeing over his grave or something. It's a similar response to how Kaiba responded to uh, Blue Eyes Toon Dragon, where he's like, "You've stolen its honor." They they hold these cards in such high regard, and then Pegasus just turns them into wacky little cartoons, <laughs> and they're like, "How dare you? How?" dare you how could you do this to him you have no respect for this game you created you have no respect for summon skull this edgy character you've turned him into a grotesque aberration that's just goofy it's it's shameful how how could you do this pegasus you know if you picture pegasus as a godlike figure this entire series could be an allegory for the new testament I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, it's Yugi's turn. And, you know, Toon Skull is like flexing. And Yugi's like, it's it's my turn. And Yugi says, hmm. And Pegasus says, hmm. And Taya says, hmm. And Joey says, hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of hmms and reactions in this episode. And it gets tiring. It's really weird. And they're all at once. And then nothing happens. And we cut yeah, he just back to the dungeon. He just draws Dark Magician. Oh, that's right. And he right, stares right. at it. And he thinks, hmm. Hmm. Uh, Pegasus, I think, if I remember correctly, notices that he draws uh, Dark Magician and starts, like, essentially threatening Dark Magician. Like, oh, it'd be a shame if anything happened to that Dark Magician you got there. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a shame if he turned into a toon Dark Magician? <sighs> there is no greater insult to Dark Magician. <laughs> Uh, we cut back to the dungeon, uh, in the dungeon, the mighty dungeon, uh, Bakura and Tristan are running, uh, up a ton of stairs. There's like a, just a, a stair room, I guess. 
yeah, it's just a big uh, staircase, like like almost like an MC Escher ish, but not mm. dimensionally weird. Yeah, it's just a bunch of stairs. Uh, and Tristan, uh, Tristan, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say Tristan starts asking Bakura about how he played a magic card, but like for real. And Bakura is just like, oh, you know, it's 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 not it's not important, you know. We can talk about it later. It's it's nothing. It's fine. <laughs> it's not important right now. Uh, and uh, except his actual voice is like, mm, it's not important right now. Yeah, you know, that and that's actually very spot on. That's really good. Uh, and Tristan's just like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so just keeps running. They they hear the guards running after him, and they finally get this door open, and so Tristan runs outside. And it's one of those, it's, it, this freaking door just leads to, like, empty space. It's, they're at the edge of the castle, and there's, like, a crumbling, like, half a balcony with no railing. It just opens up into empty space, and there's a moment where uh, Tristan, still carrying uh, Mokuba, by the way, just kind of falls off the edge and is like, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa. And the exact quote he says is, whoa, mama, please. Oh, so it's actually Tristan <laughs> who's Johnny that. Bravo. That's great. That, that I think, is, is a sign of Tristan and Joey hanging out too much. <laughs> uh, so he turns to uh, evil Bad Cora, and he's like, well, I guess this is the end of the road here. Well, no, so Bad Cora literally grabs Tristan's shirt and hoists this one and a half men up from sure doom right yeah with some strength in his frail body who knows where that came from nudge nudge he is like ridiculously emaciated have you noticed everyone in this show is skinny but bakura is like skeletal yeah he is so thin not in the same way as bones no bones is like played up skeletal i'm worried about bakura (laughs) please Bakura eat a sandwich <laughs> uh, and so he yeah what, what does he do he, he like turns to Tristan or he turns to Bakura and he's like yeah it's the end of the road uh, and he's B- like well we tried right and then Bakura gets this evil grin on his face and um, he said well there's one thing we haven't done and that's enlist some help from the shadow realm and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out an entire deck of dual monster cards as these guards are running up towards yeah, them. Yeah, and we don't we don't get much out of that, but uh except for his like super menacing glare, I guess. Yeah. It's like, oh no, watch out, he's got a deck of cards. And then it cuts back to the duel, right? Mm-hmm. And uh But it's like the very end of the duel yeah. where nothing happens. And Yugi's like, you know, having this internal monologue about how can I win? He's reading my mind, he knows all my cards and my strategies and everything. And I think it's Taya who like yells that for him to like hang in there or whatever, and then that jogs Yugi's memory. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm fighting this duel to save some souls. All yeah. I have to do is believe in myself, <laughs> yeah, and remember that I'm going to save these souls, and I will win because that's how it works." Yeah, and somewhere in there, Pegasus like interrupts him, uh, and and Yugi's like kind of startled for a second, and Pegasus goes, "Oh, I'm sorry. Were you having a private conversation with yourself?" I'm so gauche. I really must learn to keep putting, to keep, <laughs> I really must learn to not keep butting into people's business. After all, accepting defeat is such a personal matter. 
Oh, this fucking dick. <laughs> He's having such a good time. This, I mean, you know, rich assholes got to have their fun too, I guess. Yeah. And then it, the camera just zooms into his face and his millennium eye goes whooshing and fade to black. That's the end of the episode. Well, okay. So no, I have to say, I'm sorry. I have to say the line that happens here too. Oh, the yeah, very please. end of the episode is Yugi thinking to himself, I have to save my friends. And Pegasus interjects, your friends, Yugi boy, you can't even save yourself. And then he cackles for like 30 seconds. As as it's, it's the slowest fade to black I have seen in this goddamn show so far. And it's just cackling as it fades so painfully, slowly, into via to be continued. You know what I just realized? He's not even fighting to save his friends. None of those people are his friends. He's got Grandpa, who's his grandpa. Uh-huh. Uh, Kaiba, who hates his guts. And Mokuba, who's just a kid who he just met. Yeah, well, Mokuba, a kid who stole shit from him and then, like, asked nicely for him to save his brother. Yeah, none of these people are in what I would consider friend territory. I don't know that any of these people would do the same for Yugi. <laughs> uh, Grandpa might. Me, me, oh, Grandpa totally would. Me, but... I don't know that Grandpa could, I guess. <laughs> I don't know that Grandpa's heart would yeah. make it. <laughs> oh, I have to save my son, my grandson from being trapped forever in this card game. What's this? Real monsters? Oh! <laughs> and then he would just, just die the second he got into the island. Here lies Grandpa. His heart was in it, but his heart wasn't in it. <laughs> he saw a fake dragon and died. Uh, you know, okay, I'm sorry. We say a lot of shit about Grandpa. There is a great Grandpa episode later on in this season that I'm really looking forward to. It's basically the only other episode where Grandpa shows up. and it makes... Wow, spoiler alert, they save Grandpa. Oh, sorry. Was that not clear? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did, did we not know that this was called Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> uh, anyway, Can, Grandpa yeah. has some amazing moments later on and I, I, I am here for, uh, uh, what's his name? Solomon, Solomon Moto. Solomon That's his name. Uh, that is a badass name. Jimmy, we have been recording for so long about this meaningless episode. What was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part was... It's Toon World. Toon Yay. World again. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like the Toon versions. I like all the stuff it can do. It's such a bullshit card. It is. And it, it fits right in with Pegasus's personality where he just upends the rules on everything and does whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. I loved... Was it in the movie, I think, where he explains why it's Toon World? Or was it... Uh, no, it was in his duel with Pegasus. It was in his duel with Kaiba. In his duel with Kaiba, he explains, like, why he made the Toon World cards. And it was because, like, his one, like, passion as a child was watching these cartoons with Funny Bunny and, and Rough Oh, with yeah, Ruff. Funny Bunny. Uh, reading his comic books. Yeah. and That's, like, what he's doing all the rest of the time we see him when he's not dueling. Yeah. He's uh, just sipping wine and e eating a charcuterie board and reading his comic books. Which I fucking love that, like, this is a dude who... This is a major villain, and he's just off enjoying his Saturday morning cartoons. Well, and, like, he's already accomplished so much, right? Like, 
like the death of his wife was was sort of the the impetus for him you know learning about magic and he like masters magic right like he masters the power of this millennium eye he develops a card game based on ancient magical duels that becomes the most successful card game in the world and basically the only game that exists on the planet right yeah he he owns an island with a castle that has several dungeons in it to the point where he has to ask which prisoner croquet is referring to at any given time. Uh, he has fully functional holograms and then, that he uses yeah. not for any reason besides making his card games more fun to look at. Exactly, exactly. He he lures a 12-year-old child into an elaborate trap that he has been planning for God knows how long. And then, on top of all that, after he has achieved all of these amazing things that make Elon Musk look even worse, he goes... Don't forget he also hires people to play card games against people for him. Oh, that's right. He hires he hires playing card hitmen. <laughs> playing card hitmen. Like our good friend Panic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad that Panic is the only enforcer we met. I really wanted to meet more. Or, pardon me, Eliminator. Yeah. Uh, I bet the others are like really I, I bet they make a real fun Motley crew <laughs> These professional Card hitmen On top of all of these successes That Pegasus already has under his belt He stopped Looked at himself and goes No, I must return to my true passion Funny Bunny And Rough McGruff And then he builds Toon world from the ground up and keeps it for himself and like that is his shit that's just for him. I love it. I love Making it. Everything about cards it. in his like globally celebrated card game. They're so powerful and just based off his favorite cartoons growing up as a kid. It's like if Gary Gygax had developed Pun Pun. Uh, pun pun for the the listeners who don't know me personally, because I've definitely talked about pun pun to all of you. Uh, pun pun is a broken D and D character that you can make in three point five edition. That's a very low level monster that you can use some broken rules to turn it into a all powerful god. Uh, at level one. I don't think I, you've talked about Pun Pun before. Oh, can we talk about Pun Pun real quick? Pega yeah, I haven't heard about Pun Pun. Pegasus is my favorite part. That's just, that's it. Let me tell you about Pun Pun. Pun Pun. Okay, so you're playing D&D, right? You're playing D&D 3.5 edition, uh, which is sure. the edition between 3 and 4. It's the one that if you play with people who've been playing D&D for a long time, it's probably their preferred one because so many books came out for it and it's very... 3.5 is D&D for accountants. Like it is all it's got shit tons of rules. Yeah, numbers and spreadsheets and math and whatever. Uh so essentially what you do is you create a new character starting at level 1 and you play as a kobold. A kobold is a low-level monster that has shit stats. Uh except it has and I'm going to forget the name of this. It's some sort of like dragon ancestry blood thing where if you play using the rules of a very particular book, you can have a character that has this particular trait. You play as a wizard, right? And as mm -hmm. a wizard, you get a familiar. And the familiar, you can cast spells 
uh, through the familiar, right? Mm-hmm. You have your familiar assume the form of an animal because that's a thing that certain familiars can do. And there yes, is I'm familiar an, with this. And there is an animal. Uh, there's a, there's a creature. I'm gonna forget the name of it. I want to say it's the Sahagan, but it's not. It's like a worm creature, where one of the properties of this creature is that it can raise uh, the raise or lower an attribute of another creature to match its own. So, for example, I can say, uh, okay. You know, say I'm this monster or whatever its fucking name is. I forget. I'm this stat worm. Uh, I can look at your character, Jimmy, and say, all right, your strength score now matches my strength score. So that is now Pun Pun's familiar. Pun Pun is the name of the kobold. Mm -hmm. Pun Pun casts uh, Bull's strength on the familiar, raising its strength score by three, I want to say. It then uses the feature of the familiar's creature form to raise Pun Pun's strength score to match that elevated strength. It then casts, uh, Pun Pun then casts Bull's strength again through the familiar onto Pun Pun so that Pun Pun's strength is then boosted. It then, uh, I'm going to forget exactly how it does this, but it uses another spell that you can either learn or buy using another obscure rule in a side book that effectively matches that stat for the familiar. And basically what you're doing is you're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, rate boosting the stats of the familiar and of pun pun until pun pun has like 30, you know, just infinitely just infinite stats and everything. Then what you do is you start, uh, you you take, I think you do have to take one level. You have to take a level of Cleric because Cleric allows you to cast uh, Guidance, I believe it is, which lets you commune with your deity. And now with your nigh infinite wisdom score, you can uh, commune with your deity in such a way that you can get it to grant you one point of divinity, which is a rule in a separate book, which is a hierarchy of uh, divine creatures in the astral planes. With one point of divinity, you can summon an astral creature uh, of, uh, I forget, it's some fraction of one points of divinity. The best one to summon is you can summon a celestial squirrel. Celestial <laughs> squirrels uh, have very few, it's, it's a fraction of a point of divinity, uh, and and really very few uses, but you can summon a lot of them using your one point of divinity because you use up your divinity as you're doing the summoning. So you get, eh, let's say, eight celestial squirrels, and you use the same trick uh, that you used at the beginning with Pun Pun to boost the stats of these eight celestial squirrels until they become ultra-buff celestial squirrels. Combined, you use their wisdom scores, which are now nigh infinite, to raise each other's divinity and then have them all raise your divinity score such that it rivals that of a god's. Challenge the god in combat with your nigh in, you know, infinite strength. Win, become a god. In the span of like 
five seconds as you step out the door on your first adventure, you just bounce spells through a worm to become God. Basically, yeah. I'm I'm not doing it justice. If uh, anyone actually cares, just Google pun pun. It's just P-U-N hyphen P-U-N. Uh, I guarantee it'll be one of the first things to come up. That and the um, the peasant railgun are two of my favorite D&D 3.5 like. Oh, I hacks. remember the peasant... I've heard of the peasant railgun. The peasant railgun is essentially this idea where like there are certain rules in 3.5 where you can pay a peasant to follow you around for a day and it's not that much. So you can hire like a hundred peasants for a day, right? And what you do is you have them line up single file behind you and the guy in the back holds a spear, right? Or, or uh, like an arrow, right? Like nothing big. Yeah. And so they're, they're following you around single file and if you get into combat, the way that combat works is a full round of combat, meaning everyone has taken their turn, uh, takes place in six seconds in, in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what happens is, is you spend that six seconds where each of the peasants takes an individual turn, right? Uh, so the guy in the back <laughs> spends his turn handing the arrow to the guy in front of him. And that peasant hands the arrow to the peasant in front of them. And so on and so on and so forth until you've gone through a hundred peasants that hand the arrow up to the front of the line uh, in six seconds in six seconds and you do the math and figure out the momentum built up by this arrow by the time it reaches and and in fact somebody did the math somewhere and it's like oh yeah so to, to accurately like calculate this uh this one arrow is gonna do like 300 d6 worth of damage right so you're just rolling going like twice the speed of sound at this yeah 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 it's it's reached mach 2 right um yeah there's another there's a similar build called the hulking hurler which the whole thing is just like i can pick up a boulder throw it three miles and deal like 400 damage every turn (laughs) so it's basically exploiting even just the tiniest rules to gain some horribly overpowered thing that no one ever intended for the rules to have yes to allow yes and that is definitely pegasus's mo except he designed the rules to allow him to do these absolutely yeah it's it's as though somebody made 3.5 that broken on purpose (laughs) for some weird dark nefarious purpose uh jimmy what was your worst part of this episode Worst part of this episode for me, um, it's a good question. I so much of it was spent around Pegasus and his bullshit that there's not a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I guess that. the worst was Bakura just out of nowhere playing uh, a card, and it just happens. And we haven't like even in past episodes where we've seen actual magic being used we haven't seen anything like this it just comes completely out of nowhere that he can use cards in real life against people yep which is cool and it adds a new element to the show absolutely but it's just completely out of nowhere yep like build up to it or something at least <laughs> honorable mention worst is the shitty job four kids did in masking out the guns <laughs> in the guards hands yes because i could do a better job of masking it out in after effects yeah with with no time and no budget you could do a better job i'm sure yeah 
What was your worst? My worst is similar to your worst. My worst is not so much that we had magic like in this episode, like Bakura playing the, the magic card and it becoming real magic. My worst is the reaction to all magic in this episode. Like, oh, yeah. Tristan's like, oh, hey, what was that back there? And then Bakura's like, no, it's not important. He goes, okay. <laughs> no one in this show uh, is surprised very much by like anything fantastical Un- that has gone against everything that they've seen so far in their entire lives. Unless it's in the card game. Like I'm thinking back to uh, uh, like Joey's duel with bones where he's like, Oh, the zombies. Oh, what is this? And he's like freaking out over zombies in a card game. Whereas when he's faced with there being a real live mind reader who has captured the soul of a, a, a father figure to your best friend, like, Oh, okay. Sure. That's yeah, everyone normal. reacts to just dumb card game bullshit. Yeah. And in real life, they're just like, oh, we don't care. Right. It's like, it's like if we reacted to the events of a television show made for children more than we reacted to the like, you know, politics of of America. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like. I'm I'm granting the the show t- way too much leverage here, but it's like maybe a commentary on uh, how people react to entertainment versus how the, they react to real life things. But that's way too deep for anything Yu-Gi-Oh has to offer. <laughs> that's the real message of Yu-Gi-Oh is that the average person can name more Kardashians than they can members of Congress. I can name 151 Pokemon. Oh, I, thought I thought you were going to say 151 Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> I know their genealogy. I know their distant cousins. Wait, are we talking about Pokemon or Kardashians? Kardashians. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Chloe. I choose you. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Uh, yeah, I think that yeah. right there also deserves to just be an honorable mention for worst. <laughs> just... Just the whatever this show is trying to say and failing. It's getting so close to having like a message. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it it get it gets right up to it, like right next to it, and then just just backs off. Yeah, the show keeps breaking its own rules for everything, and it's just like nothing matters. So let's see where the story goes. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see this remade with like the same level of care that something like Steven Universe is made in. Like I, yeah. I'm not caught up on Steven Universe. I know that like shit goes down and it gets like oh man, like the finale last was supposed to be amazing. But uh, like imagine imagine Yu Gi Oh with that much like care and attention. The the, the foreshadowing and just the callbacks, just just like real minor details. Um, it's just not something you see in Yu Gi Oh. Nope. <laughs> there this is a show made to sell some cards and that's what it's gonna do damn it <laughs> well i think that brings us to the end of the episode unless you have anything else to to drop here some some nope. thoughts let us end this episode it's time to uh, 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 end the episode jimmy as we do every week we have a random card of the week are there any cards from the episode you want to talk about real quick uh um, world is really like... the main one I did, yeah, I did want to bring up Toon Skull. 
and that also happens to I googled it because I was trying to remember what it looked like. Uh-huh. It also happens to be an actual card you can oh, get. Oh, cool! Tune someone's skull. Uh, let me drop this in the chat so you can have a look at this guy. Lay it on me. There's a shit ton of text on this card. Uh oh yeah, damn that's like a that's like a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, there is an entire like novel. That's crazy. In the text of Tune Summon Skull. And most of it is just rules governing when and how you can play it, which is basically just you have to have Tune World and Summon Skull. Yeah. I'm a little sad that the Tune cards exist in real life. I think it would have been really cool if that was something that was like, no, really only Pegasus has this. Right, like, like, what if they only made one set of tune cards and only Kazuki Takahashi had it? Wouldn't it be amazing if they did like actually print them out and, um, like for events they had, you could like go in this tournament and like at the end of the tournament you would go up against uh, uh, an employee essentially who has mastered all the the tune cards and then if you Ooh, won you could win somebody somebody cosplaying world. as pegasus yeah that would be rad but no they just put them out into the world tune summon skull attack 2500 defense 1200 that's my card of the episode yeah i like that i like that a lot uh we have a random card of the episode as well uh brought to you Lay by my list of all possible Yu-Gi-Oh cards this week's card of the week is Shock surprise. <laughs> okay. Uh, Just shock. spelled like it sounds. Uh, shock surprise. Banish up to two speedroid monsters from your graveyard. Sorry, what? Speedroid. Speed? I think this might be from 5Ds. I forgot. Banish up to two speedroid monsters from your graveyard, then target that many cards on the field. Destroy them. Interesting. So you banish cards from your graveyard and then destroy uh, your enemy's monsters. This card looks like Snake's Final Smash. Yeah, it's just a crosshair, and in the center of the crosshair, there's some generic monster who's like, ah, and getting turned into energy or something, mm-hmm. as it's just completely eradicated from existence. It's really funny Googling Shock Surprise, because you get the card, sure, but then if you keep scrolling, you just see a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh characters with shocked expressions. <laughs> well i googled it and it's like one of them is like the first result is shock surprise and then all the rest is like reaction gifs of people expressing shock and surprise (laughs) and like stock photos of people who are shocked and surprised i mean again kudos to the translators (laughs) for these cards like i'm sure i'm sure the japanese name is more just like in keeping with what it is like you know sudden electric pulse or like whatever um but (laughs) Check out this stock photo of Shock someone surprise just makes for such a great... Uh, I'm distracted now by this picture you've just sent me. It's it's a man <laughs> making a... That's that's shock surprise, all right. He's that's a face. feeling shock and surprise. That, that sure is. It's just this, like, Asian guy who's just like, Ugh! and, like, looking off into the corner. What? I wanna I wanna see I wanna know where like has somebody used this stock image somewhere that we could look up? Like can we reverse Google image search this to find all the places it's been used? Because the image itself has a big blank spot here that like he's looking at that I really think could be filled in with just some 
some real yeah, choice it's marketing rife for Photoshop. Yeah. Just put your some product there or something. <laughs> it's like high interest rates. Whoa. Well, that is our card of the week. Shock surprise. Uh, nice and simple, nice and sweet. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, as uh, our, our good friend O4Mouse did uh, this week, you can email us at youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yampod. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. Uh, you can go to our website, which is tyler.games slash Y-A-M-P or welcome to flavor.town slash Y-A-M-P. Either will work. Uh, if you want to listen to Jimmy's other podcast, uh, episode 12 just dropped. Whoop, whoop. Yep, just put it up last night. I was actually there for the upload. Nice. Which is, I, I haven't seen the process before, but it just went up. Uh, we're getting to some good stuff. Dungeonsagainsthumanity.net, or you can just Google Dungeons Against Humanity uh, or look it up in any of your podcast apps or what have you. Yep. D-A-H podcast on Twitter. Da. Da podcast. Make it a podcast. We make it a podcast. <laughs> Mamma mia. Uh, I have not listened to episode 12 yet, so so no spoilers, but uh, it's 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 been really good so far. I've been enjoying it. Oh, I'm I'm glad you enjoy it. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's it. I think that's, that's, that's it. Is that, are those our only plugs? Yeah, let's get out of here. All right, let's do it. Until next time. Whoa, mama, please.